Chunga Safari, take one. <laughs> take one. Take one. That's usually all we need right there. Hey, everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. Hey, and uh, today we are back into the Sword and Soul with uh, another Milton Davis book uh, from way back in, what was it, 2010? Yeah, yep, 2010. Big Chungus Safari. Uh, no. I, I hope that's not the book we were supposed to read. I read Chungus Safari. Oh, I read about some guy dressed up like Elmer Fudd with bunny ears. Oh, my. <laughs> well, this is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> no, and, um, yep. Yeah. The came out in 2010. I picked this up a few couple of years ago. It's been on my to read pile, and uh, that's the great thing about having a podcast like this is I can make dents in my to read pile. I believe this is your second go through of this. Yeah, so this is the first uh, Milton Davis book I read way back a long time ago. So yeah, it's it's uh it's the second time I've read through it. It's which is fine because I um I enjoy this book. Yeah, it's quite a book. Uh, I I mean I I enjoy this book to the point where it's caveat emptor in terms of me because it's uh even even though there are I I, I won't say flaws because but um it's it's hard for me to be critical of this book. Because I like it, so it's one of those things. Hmm. That that's interesting. I mean, you know, you you can criticize it. There's always something that's less than stellar, but uh, it's Milton Davis, so you know, I mean, that's pretty much synonymous with quality. Well, that's true, but you know what they say: no, nobody's perfect. What I'm saying is, I have a hard time criticizing this book because I really like this book a lot. All right. Now, now the you reason know, it's it's like how some people have a hard time criticizing Dune movies because they love the source material so much, even though the movies suck dick. <laughs> See what yeah. I'm saying? Wait, wait, wait till there's at? a Changa Safari movie, <laughs> and, and we'll revisit that part of the discussion. <laughs> uh, now, the reason why we're we're tackling. Changa Safari 12 years later almost is the Kickstarter for Changa and the Jade Obelisk issue number 2 is set to come out later this month I believe the week of Thanksgiving I believe Black Friday how appropriate that's right Black Fantastic Friday right um, and so we decided to go ahead and talk about this particular book uh, give us a little background on Buana Changa. So, Changa Diop is the son of a Congolese uh, king whose family is deposed by an evil sorcerer. Kills his dad, enslaves his, um, his mother and his sisters, and... Uh, Sends Chaga off to be a slave in the um, gladiator pits of Mogadishu. Right. Chaga. And, and so to get a little meta, 
this book is part one of a five-part series, which includes a series of prequel stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of this background you find out through the course of these books, but there's also um, Before the Safari, which goes a little bit more in depth into this as well. So, Right. Uh, but in terms of the book we are reading, that's basically what you get. Right, right, exactly. Uh, he, he, he fights his way out of the uh, slave pits and is basically rescued by um, a merchant, takes him under his wing and uh, teaches him all, all he knows. And eventually uh, Changa becomes the heir to this mercantile empire. Right, right. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Milton often refers to Changa as a, as a character uh, as being Conan with a job, uh, <laughs> which which is always amusing. But uh, if you're if you're into sword and sorcery adventures like Conan, uh, if you liked the Odyssey uh, or Marco Polo or Sinbad the Sailor. Uh, Changa is very much in that kind of world traveler uh, in a fantastical or mythical version of our world. Right. It, it is um, borderline historical fiction. Um, some of the, I guess some of the serial numbers have been uh, filed off, but not really all that much. Um you know, Milton does his research. Right. So we're talking about actual places that existed historically. We're talking about uh, people, not individuals, but people in the grand sense of the word, who um, ex- cultures, I guess, that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and it's very, very similar to uh, Conan in, in that regard, where where um, Robert E. Howard would take the the culture historic cultures from around the world and mash them up into his fictitious land. Uh, this is just less fictitious. Right. Um, and and it, it more resembles the um, non, non-Conan-ish um, stories of Robert E. Howard, I guess, um, like the stuff set in Afghanistan, not for the setting, but how he uses um, actual um, cultures and, and places and, and kind of like sticks his story in there. So it's like historical fiction, but there's like a little bit of, um, of magic and sorcery thrown in there for fun. Right. Uh, I believe the latter two stories uh, in this is... Uh, really detail actual historical events um, with Changa actually being a part of, of them. Changa saves China. Changa saves China, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The book itself is a collection of three novellas. Uh, Changa and the Jade Obelisk, the Treasure Junk, and... Changa saves China. Well, basically, Changa you're, makes you're friends at- with the Mongols. Kind of. 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend with the Mongols. Right, right. Uh, Changa is assisted on his adventures uh, by the lovely sorceress Panya and the stoic but supremely badass the definite article, by the way, the Tuareg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, and, along and with, very mysterious fella, too. Right, well, along with other... Um, it's called the Emperor's Ransom. Um, along with other characters that show up, uh, you know, he has a navigator. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man's... The man isn't hurting. Right. That's for sure. Um, when, when we encountered Changa in here, uh, it's the rags to riches part is over. Right. Hey, we <laughs> this, we in the richest part. This is the I'm rich. I need to be richer so I can enact my um, revenge against the person who ruined my fucking life, who might have actually did him a favor <laughs> because now he's like a world traveling adventurer and world famous as well. Yes. They, they have heard of him even in China. Right. So, without being too spoilery, because, um, like I said, I really enjoyed this book, and everyone should get a chance to read it without um, you or me telling them what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like about this book? Well, one thing I like about the book is, is of course, you know, visiting all these various cultures, you know, whom, whom I knew had, had contact because, you know, people traded you know, all over the world. And I also liked seeing kind of a, an international politics and trade minus those goddamn Portuguese and the Jesuits. Who were all over the place in 15th century Earth. Earth. <laughs> Earth. Yeah, so uh, I guess we should... This is pre-European uh, colonialism of Africa. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right before the Europeans came and fucked everything up. Right. It's, it's the 1600s. Uh, yeah, I got that right. The year is one more than the century uh <clears throat> so yeah the 1600s i mean the the age of sale um, right d- dominated everything so you get to see this part of the world from eastern africa the indian ocean uh i believe he goes to uh melanesia or or even the philippines as far as yeah he, he makes it as far as as the um uh, I want to say Singapore. Mm. Yeah, he uses a lot of older names for places, which, which is which also know, helps with the world building and the feel. Yeah, to be honest with you, on the second reading, it really reminds me of playing Traveler. It does, it does. You know, pick up, uh, pick up some goods well, here, trade them there, have an adventure. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. So, Changa isn't focused on writing that which is wrong. He's not focused on rescuing helpless maidens. That's not what motivates him. That cash is what motivates Changa. Right. He's out there trying to get that cheddar. (laughs) 
and ends up getting drawn into all of this other hero stuff. Right, and that's the thing, is he gets, like you said, he gets drawn into it. It He gets caught up in circumstances beyond his control. It's other people who, right. who, who define Changa as a hero, because uh, time and time again throughout these three stories, he, he makes it clear that he, he his motivation is is to you know to make that money to, to be a merchant mm-hmm. um, and he explains you know why he's doing it and it's 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 not like he's uh, Jeff Bezos and he's just making money to make money he's making money with a goal in mind to amass enough wealth so he can take on Musange um, the, the sorcerer who, who enslaved his family right. Uh, but he's not in it for your revolution princess he's in it for the money but things like being a hero aren't um that's not first on his mind now don't get me wrong he cares about his crew um and that definitely becomes a motivator after everything falls apart Mm -hmm. but but his his number one concern is is definitely um, you know, the mercantile aspect of it, which is why it reminds me of Traveler so much, is because one of the big ways to play Traveler is you run a merchant ship, basically, and you buy goods on one planet and take them to another planet. And, and that's basically what Chang ends up doing. And in the course of that, you end up, um, you know, getting involved in, in a uh, holy war for example, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it's, it's, it has that feel to me. Right. Right. And now while that is like Changa's primary motivation is money is power to, to Changa and he can only go back to his ancestral home. Uh, if he makes a pile of money that he can go in there and like, I am, you know, I am Changa Diop. I am the rightful heir to the throne. And look at this. I can, you know, he can pay for an army. He can do this. But that's that's the thing. He has to be able to pay for an army and for Grigri and stuff. So he can basically fighting, um, you know, the the Voldemort of of the of the um, of the setting of, of the, the setting. Yeah. Now. However, there's also a kind of uh, a, a strain, a thread running through it that Panya and the Tuareg seem to be aware of Changa having a larger place that he either pretends to not be aware of or kind of tries to ignore since he also has this kind of blessed status like he is in fulfilling some kind of destiny and, and i don't i don't read it like that at all um i i, I particularly in some of panya's comments uh you know she keeps referring to him as as being blessed as touched by the spirits and no, okay. i don't think i don't think panya believes that some of the adventures he's going on are accidents that it's all preparation for his return home and the inevitable confrontation with the sorcerer that he has well, to have his own kind of grigri. Well, without being spoilery, she's referring to events that happened in the first story at the end of the first story. Right. 
Right. So I don't think I don't think that she is referring to him as like having this destiny. I think like it's just the fallout of what happened at the end of that story and and how that um, has affected him in terms of um, how he is able to do things. I don't think there's like a destiny involved, um, you know, aside from, you know, his particular goal, but I don't think it's like um, forces beyond his control are not forcing him into this confrontation with Yusenge. That's his choice. That's what he wants to do. That's like, you know, that he's doing that no matter what. He just now maybe has this tool mm-hmm. that's part of this fallout. But I don't I don't think like Well, he might have I, made a choice. He made a choice to set out on the path of revenge because really, even though he's you know, making money, he wants to be a successful purchase. The his vengeance is his path. That's yeah, but that's and his that, path and that's, like from from jump. Right. That's his path like from the beginning, from before um this this happened. It's it's he is the exact and utter opposite of Omari Kent, who is um, blessed by Etta, right? Etta mm-hmm. blessed and has a destiny. Right. John did not have a destiny. He's got like this thing that I don't want to explain or talk about. <laughs> right. Well, I think I think he's on a road. He's on a road and the game master understands. You know, to put it in RPG terms, the game master understands the narrative that this character wants and is putting things so he can come out to a successful outcome of this narrative the character has chosen. Mm, I don't buy that. I, I don't. I don't think there's like a destiny involved. I think he's making conscious that's, decisions. That's you. That's you talking like Changa. Okay, that's <laughs> me talking like me. I think that there's there's definitely that's if it was a destiny. Or something, it would be. He would be reluctant. It, it like it, it. It wouldn't be you know his choice. But he's making choices towards this. It's not like he's being dragged or pulled or or anything. No, but I'm not. I'm not saying that that his destiny is what he's chosen. But right? That's not I'm not destiny at all. Sure, it is. That's a ch- no. It isn't. That's a choice. That's not destiny at that's, any time. That's a destiny Chandra, with free will involved. You no, choose it. There's and absolutely this is the path no you such go. thing. And, and, no such and thing. the greater powers that do exist in this world of, of Changa and Changa Safari, right, are aiding him toward that end. That I is what I'm saying. Like Milton's aiding him toward that end because that makes it for a good story. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think at all that this has any that like the the scope is any deeper than like he got fucked up and he's going to fuck somebody up at any point. Changa could say, "Nah, you know what? I've actually got a good life. I don't care," and cut it off at any point. He can do that. Whereas a character like Omari Kett cannot. Right. But he, he can't make that. That's destiny. But see, here's the That's thing. That's destiny. Here, here's the thing about that, though. In in the three stories we're presented, right? Jade mm-hmm. Obelisk, the, uh, the Don't junk. Don't spoiling stuff, though. Right. 
right? He is on the verge of making that decision. And he gets pulled into something else. He is ready to, I mean, shit. He, he, he ends up going to China because he's, he gets bored with, with making the decision to sit there and be fucking mega rich and cornering the iron trade in Eastern Africa. Oh, but that's part of it. Uh, it's also because the, he lost a bunch of his money in that raid. He had to pay for the, for, you know, repairs to the, to the town for some reason, but well, that was in uh, that was in the second story in the in the jump right, story, which that leads to right that leads to the, the third, third story, story, which is which is a basically a direct sequel. I mean, it takes place what days? Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it's a week or the, so. Some part some of the weeks. same part of the same voyage, right? I mean, it almost sounds like. Like I mean, just that Milton had wrote, written uh, Chung and the J Obelisk, um, and people liked it so much that he was like, "Oh, I'm going to expand on this." And then the next two stories were kind of part of a, right. uh, one one thing. Now you've read all five, so you know how the the grander story comes to its conclusion. Yes, and I'm still sticking by my guns that destiny has nothing to do with it. And that's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and and Milton will listen to this, and he'll tell us which one is right. I don't care what Milton says. <laughs> well, I mean, it's his book after all. Yeah, yeah, well, he wrote it and I read it. And like the canon in my mind is the canon in my mind. Right. Oh, yeah. Your head canon is your head canon. But, you know. But he's going to agree with me anyway, so I don't really care. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we, we, we shall see. Milton, the gauntlet has been thrown. and I'm uh, throwing a gauntlet. I'm throwing the goddamn gauntlet. <laughs> Let me go find one real quick. I don't need no author interfering with how I enjoy um, entertainment. No, this <laughs> is not anything about that. This is this is stuff like that only leads to tragedy. This is a this when, is a fun, start... friendly rivalry sort of thing <laughs> that we're gonna drag we're gonna drag uh, Milton into as if he were Changa. Uh, <laughs> For, this is for shits and giggles. That way we can have at least a fun disagreement every once in a while. <clears throat> I'm deadly serious. <laughs> but seriously, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, I don't like it on the level of Omari Cat, but it's still fantastic. And 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 maybe my analysis of of this particular book might lean into why I prefer Omari to, to Changa. That's blasphemy. Changa's far superior character. That might be an actual fight we might have to have. And I will win. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I just won. Because I said so. <laughs> you lack the will of the warrior. I won. Ha! I won again. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right, but uh, definitely check out the uh, the the Kickstarter for Changa and the Jade Obelisk Part Two. Uh, we did talk about Part One. That we did. the 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 funny thing about um, the the Changa stories is they get better. Like um, I, I know that it's one of the first things Milton wrote. 
Chang and the Jade Obelisk. Um, but as the stories progress, they get better. It gets more in depth. Um, there's um, especially like, and I never say this, the prequels. Yes. <laughs> I never say this, but I really, really enjoyed uh, Before the Safari. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, because, and maybe it's because I like really like these characters that I want to know a little bit more of the detail of um, stuff that's hinted. In, in, and I never, I don't, usually I don't give a shit about that, right? Right. Um, usually that, that ruins stuff for me because, you know, I have stuff in my mind. You have headcanon. Of, of how I think things are and then um you know i see a prequel or read a prequel and i'm like oh that sucked right it's never as good as as i thought it was going to be but uh the the prequel to this it actually really is good and it it it, it answers questions that that you have while not like overstepping its bounds right so there's no this is what the kessel run was in this right well i think i think in the case of milton just having seen the process he goes through uh to an extent uh interacting him with him on social media and whatnot i i think a lot of the questions that get the things that get alluded to were developed prior to them being written down if you understand what i mean no i think i think you're right um I think he he is a very deliberate author, right? I don't I don't think that he he uh, just to continue with the Star Wars example. I don't think he decides in the middle of writing the second movie that oh yeah let's make Darth Vader Luke's father, right? Right. If if that happened in Milton Davis, Darth Vader was Luke's father from Jump. Not you're not like oh this would be a great twist, right? So and, and because of that, everything meshes really well. Right. And you don't have to like go through convoluted explanations of how shit works. Right. Bruce Willis was dead the entire time from chapter one. Well, I mean, <laughs> there, there's no twist involved. Right. So, right. So, so exactly. So, yeah, that's that's and, why I think you enjoy the, the prequel stories to the Changa adventures is because these things were not made up after the fact. These things were right. planned as the well, references you, to you, them were being written. You've read at least one of them, I know right. for a fact. Because mm. uh, it was in Griots. Yep, yep. That was one of the Before the Safari stories? Yep. Okay, well, I have I have Volume 1 and Volume 2. I don't think I grabbed Before just yet. And I did not get um, the third, and then the final one is Son of Mfumu, right? Yep. So there's three Changa Safari volumes, one before the Safari prequel, and the climactic finale. The showdown, the, the destiny. Mm-hmm. And that's that was said. In, in quotes, yes. Dripping, dripping with sarcasm. Dripping with irony quotations. Destiny. His... his can't even say fated the, encounter with choice. It's just his choice. The inexorable conclusion. <laughs> All right. You can't, have a, a revenge, you can't have a revenge story without the actual revenge. 
Well, that depends on how long you want to milk it. <laughs> That's true. Now, tell tell yeah. me tell me one thing, you know, because because truthfully, this this book could also easily be called the Tuareg and his amazing friends. The problem. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, we like the tour, the tour act, don't we? I do. I I like him. He's a great character, um, and in his own weird way, he is hilarious because his not only is he mute or silent, well, he's silent, right? But he also covers most of his face, so all he has to communicate anything with any of the other characters are hand gestures and eyes. So I imagine this man has the most expressive set of eyes ever. Because anybody uh... who hangs out with him regularly understands exactly what he's thinking just by looking at his eyes. Yes, he's like Silent Bob in in, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. With he's silent, he's he's silent. Bob and Miyamoto Musashi, if they had a baby, and he was awesome. <laughs> I, I admire the Torig as a character. I'm not quite at having this bromance with him, but you do you. I think I, you know that. That I think Changa has a bromance with the Torig, and definitely the prince does. Well, they are they are good friends, he, um, and that goes goes back to the fighting the, pit um, days. The fighting pit days, and the, well, the prince is like you know, come on, he's like this pampered Emir's son who like basically meets Bruce, the Bruce Lee of the Arab world. <laughs> what, what's not going to be like? He's going, of course, he's going to be an. But awe. He, he's also he's also a funny character too because he's both competent and incompetent at the same time. Yeah, he's a rich kid, right? He's, I, I, I think that's why Chaga keeps him around because he's like, that's who I could end up as. <laughs> uh, I think Chaga keeps him around because he just kind of sticks around. He like, I don't think he has anything to do. Well, if, with, right, with right. He was given a kingdom. Him. He was given a kingdom, and he kind of ran it, and he was doing all right with it. But I think, uh, I think he prefers this lifestyle uh being subordinate well gets to see the world that, i also think that panya's presence doesn't hurt well i think that's what keeps the whole crew together meaning the guys on the boat his his red shirts it's red shirts <laughs> yeah uh, it, well it, it is a milton davis book so not a lot of the the good guys die right or if they do or if they do, it's Sailor number 63. Right. Mm. I think I sat next to him at dinner once. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, it's like Changa, okay, Changa has there's, faceless mooks fighting faceless mooks. There you go. It's, but now, to be fair, Milton Davis writes really good action sequences. Mm-hmm. They're not too long. They're not short. He describes exactly what's going on. Uh, and he focuses on the principals. Right. He focuses on the principals who are all badasses. Um, yeah. And that's, I think that's one thing that gets me with Changa is 
perhaps in the later stories, uh, you can tell me if this is true, he struggles a little bit more. I mean, in the second story, he struggled, but not when it comes to fighting other men. I mean, I understand he's an experienced fighter, he's gifted, but I don't think he's met any equal opponent, if you know what I mean. Right. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it is, it turns out the way it turns out. Right. So, like, I really, I, I don't want to spoil this book, let alone the, the, the four more in the, the future. Right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's that would be but my one gripe he, is that Changa seems kind of invincible. He should have been uh, beaten around a little bit more by the masters of Wu Tang that he met <laughs> in China. Yeah, I I would I would agree there. Um, yeah, as, as especially especially one in particular, he handled him pretty. Uh, Who? <laughs> right, so he got a little without, brutal with that without, one without spoiling it and, and we know we have like uh, some sinocentric um, opinions on this podcast <laughs> so yeah <laughs> take that for, for what you will <laughs> it's, it's true it's true but uh yeah i i, I, I think i think Balogun would come in arguing that you know African martial arts are just as good as Chinese martial arts. Right. And, and you know, he very well may be right, but Changa didn't, well, did spend time in the in the fighting pits, but was he forced to stand on a stick for hours upon hours putting putting uh, cups of rice back, back into from one uh, vat to the next one by one with the tweezers? Um, I'm, you know, I will never say, I will never say that, that, you know, he should have been outclassed, but I think he should have met with opponents of equal skill. However, given our reading of fiction from a similar time period from that part of the world, the fighters of equal skill were odds are would have been on his side. I guess, depending on, on who wrote it. Mm. <laughs> True, but you know, Lee Mubai would have teamed up with Changa. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. And he would have fallen in love with Panya. Yep. And cried a lot. Yep. <laughs> well, and then Panya would have been kidnapped, and Changa and Lee Mubai would have to team up, and it would take everything in in. Every ounce of Limu Bai's um, will to not take her for himself. <laughs> there's a, there's a return to Changa Safari for you. There, cross right. it over with the Crane Iron Pentalogy. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Simba. There you go. All right, so yeah, definitely check out Changa Safari. Uh, all of them. Uh, even though, really, we're kind of focused on the first book, given the Jade Obelisk uh, adaptation in comic book form. Definitely check out the Kickstarter for that. Get you a copy. Um, definitely worth the read. Uh, the only thing I wish about the comic series would be that if they could turn it around a little bit quicker between issues. Yeah, uh, I 
I don't know what, what's up with that. I'm sure it's probably prior commitments, um, yeah, issues you know, with, with Kickstarter, you know, how Kickstarter works. Yeah, you've got, you've got a, you know, three different groups of folks working together to put this thing out. And yeah, I mean, that takes a lot of, you know, freeing up calendar space and planning and okay, you know, you write the script, okay, let me review the script, and passing stuff back and forth, and it's all a very uh, uh, community-oriented process. Right. So, so but you, definitely you know, check it out. Black Friday, Changa and the Jade Obelisk, we'll put a link up on the Facebook page right. uh, when as, that goes as, live. As you sit there in your turkey stupor, watching the Cowboys get their asses kicked for the seventh year in a row, Think about Chong and the Jays. I, I won't be doing that. I mean, the collective you. Oh, oh, the collective you. Okay, well, Turkey Stupor, you got so you got you're half right for me. Oh, okay. you're gonna watch Detroit get their asses kicked? Uh, no, I'm gonna have a Turkey Stupor <laughs> and maybe play some Grim Dark Future. There you go. All right. So, yep. Until next time. Uh, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Still trying out that nuke. You, you're going to beat that one into the ground, aren't you? I am. I, well, that's, I've settled on that. All right. So we'll see you <laughs> next time. Until there's an apology, that's the new one. There you go. Bye.